Are you surprised that that isn't a bigger story, Josh? Uh, during the break, we were talking about the um, Alabama story, and I've had this problem in trying to truly grasp as we come to you live on a Friday from the Plank Show with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Um, I don't, I don't know why this hasn't. This hasn't been a bigger story with the Alabama situation involving their head coach because the Alabama baseball coach got fired for questionable gambling activity on a game involving his team. Now, I don't know, Josh, what the real story is, but I got to tell you something. Uh, The one that you told me was fantastic. Um. Well, well, it's, listen, it's listen hilarious to, this. to me. This is from ESPN. Go ahead. Alabama baseball coach Brad Bohan was fired Thursday amid a widespread investigation into suspicious betting activity on the Crimson Tides game against LSU six days ago. Okay, that we know, right? But this next line, right? Sportsbook surveillance video indicated that the person who placed the bets was communicating with Bohannon at the time. Multiple sources with direct information about the investigation told ESPN. So what what does that mean? Well, basically it means that Bohannon was telling somebody to go place bets. And, and they got him on tape Which doing is, it. They got him on tape doing it, Josh. They got him on tape doing it. I am just... I understand that... We have situations that, as time progresses, are going to be problematic in the sports world as we start to, uh, what's the best way to put it, embrace sports gambling more. But I got to tell you something, man. That story out of Alabama, that to me is bananas. And is it is it fair to say... Is it fair to say, Josh, that Alabama's kind of an S-storm right now with what seems to be going on inside that athletic department? Absolutely. I mean, if it wasn't, dude, if it wasn't for Nick Saban, what an absolute disaster that place has been. It's not been a good year at all, no. And, you know, you can't... uh... You, you recruit your problems. Isn't that uh, the Brent Venables phrase? But even then, I sort of subscribe yep. to the theory that, you know, every once in a while, I don't want to say that you're, you, it's okay to recruit bad character guys, but sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get, right? I mean, everything can seem like it checks out, or you say, okay, we're going to take a chance because it's a four- or five-star kid. We, we get it, right? And then a, then a situation right. arises, which obviously it did at the University of Alabama. And the missteps, though, afterwards is the problem. I mean, the the PR fiasco that happened with the men's basketball program was so bad. And then to follow it up with this is just, uh, yeah, it's been a rough year. It's been a rough, rough year. I don't – I'm not going to lie to you, Josh Helmer. As if I ever would lie to you, Josh. Well, I'm I'm glad that you wouldn't lie right now, though. That's right. Um, there was a part of me 
that was so nervous that this was going to involve players. And I was actually pretty happy that it was just the coach. So I know, again, sorry Brad Bohannon lost his job. Got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. But for me, personally, I'm glad no players were involved. And, oh, by the way, did you see what Alabama baseball did last night? They went and beat Vanderbilt. So their coach got fired. There's accusations of issues involving, you know, illegally, I don't want to say fixing games, but positioning a a bet to be made that would, you know, be made with insider information. I mean, the simplest simplest way we could say it, if not outright saying that in some way, shape, or form he bet on his team to lose and did throw the game. I mean, we could certainly say with, I think, complete clarity – he jeopardized the integrity of the series, of the game, if nothing else. Is this right from what our man Frisco Sooner said? He said, and apparently he was doing it from the dugout at times? <laughs> See, here's man. the thing that makes no sense to me. It wouldn't surprise me. Here's what makes no sense about it. And again, if you haven't heard this story, let's let's rewind just a bit. Give a little, uh, give a little uh, a Plank and Josh context to this. Brad Bohannon. The head coach of the Alabama baseball team was fired yesterday whenever it it was discovered that he was providing, or at least Alabama had enough evidence to prove that he was providing information that led to large bets being made on, on games. And the game specifically that caught the attention of, I guess you could say, the bookmakers was the Alabama-LSU game when... Alabama was a massive underdog, but they weren't going to play their starters, and they're going to pull their starters. And, and notified and everybody like somehow, an hour before first pitch. Right, but there was a massive bet that was made like 20 minutes before they were able to change the line. And then there's a part of me, too, that wonders, there's got to be more, right? Like, I bet there's not only more games, but in that game, it was an 8-1 game. LSU was winning, so the bet was going to cash, and all of a sudden, Alabama cut it to 8-6. to So I'm curious, too, Josh, was there something in how that was handled in the comeback? Did they pull a guy early or something of that nature? I just, I'm glad they figured it out. I learned about the different, and, you know, maybe this would be a fun conversation to talk with the guys out at, at Riverwind here at some point because all those different layers of protection to make sure that things are always on the up and up and that, you know, you're protected as somebody who's willing to risk and gamble on these games and that it's not something that's fixed or presented in a way that's always against you. I don't know. I just, I found that to be fascinating to see the different level of regulations and dude lost his job. And based on everything I've seen, he's deserved it. I'm just, I'm really shocked. And maybe I'm not in, in Bob Sturm talks about this a lot on the ticket. I'm shocked by how some stories are bigger than others, Josh. How some stories end up blowing up and they're a big story. And then other stories like this that I think should be a big story, man, hardly even talked about. I mean, this story about the girls and, and dude, there's some heavy work going on right now. Holy smokes. Is everything okay? You guys are grinding away over there. Yeah, I think so. He's, he's grinding. I'm impressed. Um, what was I saying? Oh, I'm surprised by stories that aren't bigger. And then the stories that are big. I mean, we'll spend 
an hour looking at a weather map for an area with a severe thunderstorm warning, and I understand they're trying to protect us, but we'll basically give this horrible situation in Henrietta like a 30-second segment, and then we just move on. And it's not about Henrietta. It's about where it took place, I know. But come on, man. How do we end up with some of these stories being bigger stories than other? To bring it back to our fake little bubble of the sports world that's beautiful and brilliant and simple. How can this not be something that everybody's talking about, Josh? A coach is basically being implicated and fired based on his involvement in, gosh, fixing a game. I mean, you can't think of any other way to put it, can you? No, there's no other way to put it. And I just, yeah, I'm with you. You would think that this this is massive news, massive news. And I don't know that uh, I like to believe that this is a uh-huh. an isolated incident and there's not a lot of this happening in college baseball or in sports in general. But it is a reminder that, look, there's, uh, I mean, that, this is why policies are put in place. This is why. This is why some people feel as strongly as they do about the Pete Rose situation, because once the once the integrity of the game is jeopardized, I mean, all bets are off, right? It's you like to believe that there's not a ton of this going on, but at the end of the day, but, I mean, there could be more of this going on than we think. Broken Arrow Fat Boy hits the text line. Remember this, guys: words to live by. I only lie. If it benefits me. <laughs> Gunny writes, apparently the Bama coach didn't learn anything from Charlie Hustle. And then one more from the 405. Because it's Alabama, why wouldn't the AD be in some hot water? Because Nick Saban is a good coach? Ding, 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 man. You hit it on the, you hit it on the absolute head. Alabama, and I, I'm excited about joining the SEC with Bama. I'm excited about playing them in every sport. But, Josh, if this was an athletic department with a less than stellar football run right now. Oh, the president, yeah, would, would want him out. Right. Yeah, he'd be gone. He'd be gone. Um, I got. Do you want to get to this Heather Dinich stuff? I know we're kind of up again. I, I didn't want to play the I didn't want to play the whole interview, but I've got a couple of cuts that I wanted to share, and I might need your help. You know what? I'll play this first cut, and then we'll queue up the second cut, and that'll give us some time during the break. But Heather Dinich is at the Big 12 meetings in Arizona that I think just came to a wrap. It was the first Big 12 meetings, Josh, without Oklahoma and Texas. Now, if I understand correctly, and Josie can correct me if I'm wrong, he's got the number. Um, Oklahoma and, and Texas did zoom in at one point, but for the most part, they were not there in person. And I asked Heather, hey, has it just been crazy with the news? Has it been hard to kind of follow what's real and what isn't? Um, The buzz has been in the Big 12 how much of a better position they are than they were this time a year ago. Um, and, And, you know, Texas and Oklahoma athletic directors and schools are not here my understanding is that they've zoomed in on a couple of things, um, but the new schools are here, and they're moving forward with that. And, of course, everybody's just asking questions and rumblings about Pac-12 and media deals and more conference realignment and questions, and quite honestly, nobody has answers to that right now. And that's that's kind of where it is. The, the Big 12, people feel like they're in a 
great spot and what else can they do? And the Pac-12 is on hold until their commissioner, George Klyovkov, figures out their TV deal. And there are other folks who are kind of waiting to, for that to happen, too, to see what other dominoes might fall after that. Um, but other than that, it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks networking and, and talking and connecting and, honestly, a lot of conversations have been off the record. <laughs> so oh, that's where it is. So that's that's something we'll try to navigate around. So let's start with this. Have you been able to gauge if the four corner schools, as we've kind of labeled them, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, are still in play for the Big 12? And is there a confidence level that's increasing that this could be something that happens as far as additions to the Big 12 uh, kind of umbrella, under the umbrella? Listen, what I can say with almost 100% certainty in regards to that question is the same answer that I've been getting from sources to this point for months now on that conversation. And the answer is this. I would be shocked if anyone did anything before the president have a deal in front of them, before they know what the Pac-12 TV deal is going to look like because university presidents don't tend to operate in a world where they make decisions before they have all the information and they do not have all of the facts in front of them right now. So until they can say, we'll make this much here as opposed to this much there, I don't see anyone going anywhere. Um, you know, my understanding is that there's 100% confidence from within the Pac-12 that the schools who are there are committed at this time. But just knowing how university presidents operate, they're not. I don't see anyone making any knee-jerk reactions until the Pac-12 deal is done. All right. Let that marinate. It's, you know, Heather Dinich is there. She's front and center. She's talking to all of the movers and shakers. And while there is information, Josh, it still seems it still seems like that information is hard to come by on the record. So you can't really feel too confident about reporting anything. Now I I will say this, we love Dennis Dodds. He's been our Dennis Dodds has been on the show before. There is an oh, my, these guys are just grinding away, aren't they? There, there we go. Oh no. Oh okay, there oh, oh no. Dennis Dodd is perceived to have uh, kind of the be in the pocket of the Big 12. Have you noticed that? Have you seen that buzz? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, he's he's been connected yeah, okay. uh, to Big 12 sources for a long time, and obviously that's, you know, no different now. So there's a lot of people that think that if the Big 12 just even mentions it, he'll report it. And the Big 12 wants to basically put the pressure – on the Pac-12. So that story comes out yesterday and immediately gets refuted like five minutes later. Ah, the ESPN is out of the Pac-12 negotiations. Uh, Looks like the realignment is on. And the next thing you know, it's like, no, 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 they're not out. So I've got more to this. I want to play one more cut because that timeline, while... Oklahoma moves on to the SEC and plans its future, and we have a lot of questions, Josh, throughout the summer to figure out. we got SEC meetings coming up here in a few weeks. 
We've got a lot of questions to figure out about what the divisions are going to look like, what the schedules are going to look like, you know, that kind of what pod mindset, what that's going to look like. There's a lot of questions about Oklahoma State in the future, or Oklahoma in the future. But I am intrigued by Oklahoma State in the Big 12 and kind of where it's headed going forward. And we'll lay out what appears to be the next step for them next. Skip Johnson, a little bit of his conversation from Toby coming up at the bottom of the hour, plus our top five stories of the day. The Plank Show is on the road. We're at Riverwind Casino, right off Highway 9 and I-35. Forner, Rodney Carrington, and Aaron Lewis. Tickets on sale today. In fact, the box office just opened up with tickets for those events. And you can also log on to Riverwind.com and exactly 40 minutes from now. It's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. All right, text line done, blowed up. We'll get to it coming up here in a bit. Uh, a report out of Omaha is interesting, Josh Helmer. Former Nebraska quarterback Casey Thompson is close to announcing his new school, and apparently it's going to be a familiar face. Now you might say, Whoa! A lot of options there when you're talking about a familiar face for Casey Thompson. Is he going back to Nebraska? No. Is he going to Texas? No. Oklahoma, familiar face, right? Y'all always want every single quarterback that's in the portal. No. According to a report this morning, Casey Thompson is close to signing with Florida Atlantic and his former head coach, Tom Herman. That's according to a report in the Omaha World Herald. (laughs) The the 24-year-old quarterback, which still seems wild to talk about, a guy in college being 24 years old and his name isn't Tommy Boy. But the 24-year-old is set to visit FAU early next week. Here's what he toured Auburn last week. And apparently has fielded more than a dozen offers from programs around the country. He has a condensed timeline to find a new home. He is traveling to FAU this weekend. Um, what you think? Seems like a pretty good fit for him. Well, immediately I jumped over here to uh, Peyton Thorne's 24-7 sports page Ooh. to check out a little transfer portal, Crystal Ball, and... Sure enough, I mean, there's multiple predictions for Peyton Thorne to Auburn. So what does it tell me? It tells me that uh, basically Auburn said, yeah, we like Peyton Thorne better. Um, Josh Helmer, are we talking soccer here or next segment? Is is Trevor ready to rock and roll? No, I think we're going to bring him on like 11.50, like literally like walking out the door for oh, the weekend okay. if that's cool. Oh, my bad. My bad. Are you calling this game tonight? I will be, yeah. I'll be at Brian Young Memorial Field where uh, Norman North plays host to Edmond Memorial. 7 o'clock tonight, krefsports.tv. I want to I want to play one more cut from Heather Denich, and it's kind of a two-parter, so hang with me because I was curious. I feel like there is nothing that triggers me more than – Mel questioning me about talking too much on the show. But a close number two, Josh Elmer, is the sudden conference realignment insiders. And there's a part of me that when I first see a few of them are like, okay, this sounds interesting. But when all of them are always wrong, I don't know why 
you people consume it like you do. But here we are. So I asked Heather Dinich, is it hard to cut through what's real and what isn't right now? Because I feel like if somebody even just blurts out anything involving Colorado or Arizona or Arizona State or Utah or Oregon and Washington, it becomes somewhat, you know, a regional headline that's nonstop and some sort of insider allegedly talking to someone else. So here's what Heather said about cutting through the BS. Well, I'm going to tell you from a journalistic and reporting standpoint, and I mean this, I mean, just full transparency, like, we're not reporting anything that's not fact. Right. Um, so I, people might be like, why aren't you tweeting anything? Why aren't you putting anything on Instagram? Well, because there aren't any answers right now. There's a lot of speculation. And you go straight, and then you go left, and then right, and then left, zigzag. And so to answer your question, is it hard? Not, re- not really, um, because until there's an answer, there's not much sense in in pitching anything to our news desk um because it is so flimsy and it changes so much but to answer your question espn is still involved in the conversations and the negotiations and the tier one media rights um but it's really not my place and i don't think it's a good idea journalistically to counter question other journalists reporting i just go with what i know and if i don't report it i don't feel like i should contradict it (laughs) i didn't put anything out there in the first place so that's kind of the way i've approached it personally from a reporting standpoint so with that i know gabe asked a little bit about just hey how brett your marks being perceived i'm curious from your perspective you deal with all of these conference commissioners what have you made of the job that brett your mark has done the big 12 seems to be on solid footing more proactive than maybe they've ever been as a conference, and I mean ever. Um, what do you make, Heather, of the job that Brett Yormark has done and how sustainable some of these ideas can be for this conference? Well, I, th- I think what he's done so far is working, and the key was keeping it intact and relevant after OU and Texas leave. And I think he's trending in the right direction, but I also think, let's see what happens. I mean, how fortunate was the Big 12 that TCU was in the college football playoff? Hmm. Who saw that coming? Um, you know, basketball was good. So I, I think that there were a lot of things that happened, some because of your mark's persistence and ingenuity, some fortuitous, <laughs> right? Um, and together, I think right now, they're in a great spot for it. But again, I think you have to have a little time and patience just to step back and look at the big picture and okay, say, okay, this is where it is. Because I don't think, I don't know that they're done yet. Um, I don't know what else the future might hold. And again, a lot of this goes back to our conversation about the Pac-12. Um, so I think, you know, maybe maybe Pac-12 media days, maybe before then, we have a, a clear picture of the future. But I also kind of feel like it's one of those things where once it happens, it being the Pac-12 media deal, the dominoes go quickly, right? Boom, 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 chain reaction. And the reality of it is the media deal comes first, then the grant of rights happens meaning those schools mm-hmm. in the Pac-12 commit and sign to the grant of rights, which would align 
with the length of the TV contract. So is it five years, seven years? I would be shocked if it's 12 years. Um, so who signs that? Then you know who's really in, who, who says it, and who puts their actions behind their words. And then after that comes any other potential conference realignment. That's the steps. That's how this is all going to happen, mm-hmm. at least according to my sources. Seems about in line with everything we've heard. But, again, you have those leaks about is ESPN in on this? Are they going to be a player in it? And every single time, Josh, I feel like there's some sort of twist or turn. I mean, hell, we had Ion being mentioned as a possibility, what the CW as well, too, as a possibility. I mean, it's been, dare I say, insane to think about all the twists and turns that have been there. And, you know, we talk about it, but, I mean, we're not beholden to being right on this story. We can throw S off the wall to see if it sticks. I can't imagine what it has to feel like in navigating this story and having to only deal with facts because, dude, it doesn't seem like there's many. Yeah, there's a lot of digging for not a lot of answers, which, you know, you're talking about a mega media rights deal that the Pac-12 and the future of the league is trying to orchestrate here. Somebody, uh, somebody like Klaivkov and some of these other presidents and ADs involved, I mean, this is, in a lot of ways, probably their job's on the line getting this done, right? Because basically uh, you, you've put the stability of, of your schools in jeopardy by, uh, by your failure right. and, and by letting USC and UCLA walk. It's similar to kind of what happened initially here in the Big 12, you know, ignorance is not bliss, in this situation, right. it's you've jeopardized Absolutely. yourself, and so when that's going on, probably yeah, it's going to be tough to get information to uh, to sprinkle out, and you hear all sorts of different things. Because guess what, you know, folks from the Big Twelve have uh, an interest here, and even you know, folks from the Big Ten have an interest, right? I mean, there's all sorts of stakeholders in this deal. Fascinating times. Fascinating times. All right. We're at Riverwind Casino. It is a Friday with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Your texts are next. Also, get your tickets to Foreigner. They've just added Rodney Carrington, Aaron Lewis, a great list of summer and 2023 schedules on tap here at Riverwind Casino as the Showplace Theater has reopened. Um, We'll talk about it next right here on the Home Center Fan. It's a good countdown, wasn't it? Yeah, that was really good. good. Uh, Colin Olson joins us. He's out here at Riverwind. I always enjoy our time. We get to hang out with Colin and his crew and Justin and everyone. Uh, but before we before we talk, uh, let's rewind. Last Friday, a lot of people guessed Foreigner. They were right. They're right. Foreigner's back. Um, now, I don't know how many we got on Rodney Carrington. But that one I, was a little tricky. That was a little tricky. But the Aaron Lewis one, I think we got a few, too. So, yeah. well done on your part. But today is a big day because Foreigner, Rodney Carrington, and Aaron Lewis tickets go on sale Available at the box office, but in about, let's see, what time is it? In about 20 minutes from now, they'll be available at Riverwind.com, right? Exactly. So right now you can get them on the phone or in person at the box office. And then at 11 o'clock, go to Riverwind.com, and you can buy them on there. Um, the official taking provider is SeatGeek, so just make sure you're checking for that. SeatGeek? SeatGeek. Um, you got a brand-new area that we need to talk about, a, a non-smoking area. T- tell us about it. So super exciting. So a lot of people, if you've been out here um, within the last, I want to say last year, you've known that the Showplace Theater was the non-smoking section. 
Um, so with shows coming back, obviously we've had to move all those games back out to get the show place ready for concerts. And we've had tons of people asking, is there going to be a non-smoking section? And yes, we actually just opened it. It's called the Oasis. Um, it's on the east side of the building, just north of um, South Players Club. And it's super cool. you got to come check it out. Um, That's a awesome. A bunch of new lights and things in there. It just looks really awesome. I, I find everything is near a, a machine, so... I don't know what direction this is over here, right? But I know it's by the Willy Wonka machine. Yeah. So whenever Steelman tells me where to go, it's either by the Willy Wonka machine, by um, Chip and Ales, or let's see, what's the other machine when you first – well, by the Taco Bueno is yeah. the other way to put it. So that, that's how I'm directionally challenged. But that's cool. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I feel like when I'm here – and, and it's, dude, love my Fridays – but I don't feel like – that you come away overly saturated in smoke, right? I feel like you guys have done a lot to where it's really opened up the higher ceilings and now the non-smoking area. You know, I, I, I don't, I've never really noticed it too terribly much. Yeah, That's I agree. great. I totally agree with that. Cause I've been to other casinos and other places where they you have walk smoking, in and you know, and, you know, but right. I've, I've definitely noticed here. It's um, not super bad. Yeah. Hey, Colin, tell, tell me a, a little bit about, what reopening the Showplace Theater allows you to do? We had the outdoor concerts. Um, we ran the gamut from sweating our backsides off to freezing to death. Um, but it's awesome because it's cool that we were still able to put those events on. Now you get the Showplace Theater back. How does that kind of open up your repertoire, if you will? Um, so we get to do a lot more artists, um, a lot more shows more frequently because the outside ones we can only do so many a year. But um, one thing that I know I really like about the theater, and I get all kinds of comments from people at shows about this, is they just love, I guess, the setup of the theater. It's really right. intimate. Um, you can, no matter where you're at, there's not a bad view. Um, even if you're in the back, you can still see the artist really well, so it just feels like you're right there, a part of it. That's so cool. Um, and hey, let's go through the ads, because we didn't get to talk about them last week. So Foreigner rescheduled, right? Foreigner is rescheduled. So if you bought tickets back in 2020 when it originally went on sale. Oh, wow, that's right. It's been on sale for a long time. Um, those tickets are still valid. Um, so if you need them reprinted or anything, just reach out to the box office. We'll take care of you there. Otherwise, they are back on sale. So if you want to get new tickets, um, you can hop on and get those. You know, it's kind of funny that you say that. There's so many concerts that we were just planning to go to. It's almost as if it was truly, hey, no, you're not, because my wife and I had talked about, listen, let's go see this. Let's go see that. We're, we're getting older. Let's go see more concerts. And then COVID hit, and everyone's like, oh. And it literally was right at the time we decided to I do that. I was packed and ready to go on a cruise the next were day. Were you really? Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, you win. You had the worst setup. But it's, it's now as things are open back up, and we're back to, to full tilt, pardon the, the casino term, but – it's really cool to see that there's still things in place for those that are worried, but also you're able to get back out and you're able to immerse yourself in these concerts. And for someone who was looking forward to Foreigner, it's maybe it's, it's been a minute, but still you guys were committed to it and you brought them back and that's awesome. And this is their farewell tour. It so is. So got to make sure you hop on those tickets. Aaron Lewis coming back. What, what made you decide on Aaron and kind of what can we look forward to with um, him? Last time he was here, he did great. Um, the fans, everybody who comes out here seems to really love him. So we knew that was one that was a general request that we get a lot so wanted to have him and um he actually had some um, fan club pre-sales that are really? already going crazy um earlier in the week and so his sales are going awesome so you want to grab his tickets quick before they're gone how's my guy how do comedy shows do in the showplace theater they That's do they really do well. really well 
I think I would. I think I would go see Rodney Carrington. You guys decided to bring in Rodney, a guy that I think he's from Oklahoma. If I'm not, I think he got a start in Tulsa. Um, funny story. Josh always makes fun of me when I wax nostalgically. He was one of the first famous people I ever met because he did a thing with a radio team in Tulsa named Phil and Brent. Yeah. And he would go into their studio. I had no idea who he was. And they were talking him up, and I'm like, hey, it's nice to meet you. And I'm just mad because we're not getting my sports update yet. <laughs> but then I end up watching him on you know, his stand-up specials. He's got that kind of unique sound. Ronnie, it's pretty exciting to bring him here to Oklahoma, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be interesting because he is a little bit different from most of the comedy we do do because he also does music as well. Right, so exactly. Very talented kind of musician. Full range of stuff to see there. <laughs> and But more than anything else, beyond adding Foreigner, Rodney Carrington, and Aaron Lewis, you can get tickets to that today uh, on the phone or at the box office in a riverwind.com in an hour. There's still great shows all summer long. You and I were walking by the Josh Turner was being promoted. That's a guy we're looking forward to. Chicago is going to be here. Counting Crows is going to be here. It seems like, you know, just a, as a final thought, Colin, you guys went out and got a little bit of something for everybody. That's definitely what the plan was because we've been waiting three years to reopen. <laughs> so we wanted to make sure there was something for everybody. Seat Geek. Call the box office, come by the box office, or riverwind.com to get all your tickets, right? You got it. Yeah, man. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate yeah, you, buddy. Me. All right, so that is Colin Olson. He is in charge out here. Thanks, buddy. I turn off my mic instead of yours. That's, that's a wonderful start to this segment. Uh, great stuff is always out here at Riverwind, and we're uh, digging our Fridays hanging out with the crew here at Riverwind Casino. All right, you, you, we got time to hit a couple of texts here, Josh? I don't see why not. By the way, the hardest thing for me, I love Colin. I love coming out here. He's usually one of the first people I see. But it's for some reason, because I guess I covered too much Big 12 football over the last few years, the hardest thing for me to do is not call him Colin Oliver. I'm just going to make that very clear. And it's going to happen at some point. And you know what? Maybe it has. And he's such a kind dude that he doesn't even mention it. Uh, We were mentioning Big 12. Let me carry over on that real quick from Brian with the Y in Tulsa. Uh, He writes, I really wish the Big 12 would add Boise State. I think that would be a fun matchup for everyone, and I would agree. Here's the thing that's weird about Boise State, Josh. When they were in their prime, if you will, if they when they were the hottest thing going in college football, it just it never really seemed as if there was too terribly much interest in them. And I don't, I've never really known why, but it's just even with – it seems like they would be such a natural fit in the Pac-12, right? And I feel like we've had this conversation before, but it just it never really seems to materialize with them. Yeah, I, you know, now would be the time. The, the, the ratings portion of it, it's never going to be a big-time ratings winner for you, I don't think, unless they – you know, get back to where they were and then a little bit beyond that because they're winning the Pac-12, right, on a regular basis. If they turn into that, then, mm-hmm. okay, then all of a sudden there's a little bit of a national draw to them. But just because of the market, it doesn't bring you a lot in terms of the market. But if you can separate that from Plank, it's not bad to add good football teams. I mean, sometimes we get so caught up right. in, okay, what is the potential of the market instead of people watch good football teams play football. Right? And Boise State would be better positioned to play and continue to play good football if they had better resources, more money, in, and were in a league like the Pac-12. So it would seem to make a ton of sense. 
But for whatever reason, it's there's just not been a lot of momentum on that, largely, I'm sure, because of the market. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's never really materialized. And one more, uh, since we're on the Big 12, uh, Sean writes, OU in regards to the tiny 12 meetings, wolves don't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. Like I said, I I know, I know it's something that definitely is not going to be a major storyline on this show. But to me, anytime there's conference realignment, I think that affects us and all of us in some way, shape, or form. And you know me, I'm a sucker for it. I just want some facts. I don't want every one of their stupid sources that don't know a damn thing. I want facts, by God. <laughs> and this... Uh, Boise State's academics are worse than OCCC. What's OCCC? Oklahoma City Christian. I don't. Commu- oh, Oklahoma City Community College. Oh, I got you. I'm sorry. I'm used to TCC, man. I'm used to Tulsa Community College. I haven't heard an OCCC joke yet, but that's very well done. Very well done. I'm with you, though, Josh. Academics, schmackademics. Give me a good football team. Give me a good program. Give me some good matchups. Let's go make some money. Quick break. All right, let's get to those texts on the newest addition to the Oklahoma Sooner roster next right here on The Ref. Sooners at – oops, sorry. <laughs> that was almost perfect. Sorry. Sometimes I was just complaining to Josh about how my audacity never works, and, like, magically I hit play and it just worked. But Sooners at Mount <laughs> uh, – The top five stories today coming up here in just a bit. Skip Johnson will play a major part of it, but I wanted to get a little bit of Skip from T-Rose show in here. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, I thought that the uh, kids came out with a little more sense of urgency, which needed to happen, and uh, um, it was good. Tell me about Will Karsten's turnaround, Coach. Um, you know, he's going along having uh, an okay season until about three weeks ago, and and all of a sudden, he has been lights out. He's now at the back of the bullpen for you. Tell me about the journey to get him to where he is right now. Well, I mean, Will came in. We thought he was going to be a starter coming out of junior college. He had a lot of uh, uh, he has a lot of presence. He's really competitive. Um, that's one thing that you can always. It's always going to be consistent. He might lose the game or he might struggle a bit because it's probably due from being over competitive and. And if you can go to bed at night as a pitching coach or as a coach, you know he's going to give you a big effort. And uh, uh, that's all you can really ask out of him. But coming into the season, you know, coming in, and he got a little sore in his shoulder. It's really a terrorist major from probably overthrowing, probably from overcompeting in inner squad. And uh, we had to back him down and really uh, – uh, Try to ease him along. Try to get that thing back healthy. We put him in a situation uh, and kind of just kept it that way. You know, most of it, you know, really, it's really Braden Carmichael, how how he's done has really helped the situation as much as anything. And, you know, when you're, when you're searching out of the bullpen looking for guys to get people out, um, I, I just know, and the same thing with Weber. Weber's going to overcompete most of the time, and uh, uh, um, he's going to throw strikes, and, and that's really that's all you can ask out of him. Five thirty tonight, Oklahoma and West Virginia, huge series. We'll talk about it more in depth. Have more skip in the top five stories today, Josh. I wanted to wrap up hour number two 
with some of the people's reaction to the Connor Near commitment, the linebacker out of Ferris State. Uh, Brian with the Y in Tulsa is on fire today. This might be, Brian, might be one of the best days for you on the text line. For those going against this guy, the dude won two natties. No matter the level of play, that's impressive. Uh, impressive, And he looks like he can be a dude. Um, I feel like, Josh, it's a very loud but small group of people that are like, Ferris State. I, I feel like that's a very loud but a very small group, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think most Oklahoma fans feel that they can trust Brent Venables in his evaluation right. of a linebacker, which has been uh, my big uh, takeaway from all of this is, look, I'm just going to trust that he knows how to evaluate a linebacker. I agree. Uh, Cam Osuna writes, I'm pretty sure Coach Stoops took several Juco guys over his time at OU. Is indeed two a tier above that? Cam Osuna. Um, Brazilian Sooner, who, by the way, Brazilian Sooner, I love you, but he can be a little bit uh, salty sometimes on, on the few signees here and there or our transfer portal commits. He writes, I'm pumped about this pickup at linebacker. If, BZ, if BV was a little concerned about our LB experience, this is a pretty, pretty big pickup. Sooner Gundy writes, I would think Brent Venables knows what he's looking for in a linebacker. The 405, when it comes to the D, I trust Coach V. That's an out of context, but we'll take it. Uh, when He has multiple Power 5 offers, too. And then the 918 here, real quick. Uh, we, we Real quick. This is a quality ad. At minimum, it raises the floor of that position room, if not the whole defense, if not the whole program. We'll talk more about it next. It's the Plank Show. We're on the road at Riverwind Casino on a Friday. Foreigner, Rodney Carrington, Aaron Lewis. Tickets available right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.